Teacher Talk is an ongoing series of podcasts dedicated to exploring the world of English language teaching and teacher education. Teacher Talk is supported by Nile, Norwich Institute for Language Education. Okay, so uh, welcome to the podcast and today we are joined by Martin Clark. Martin, you've been an ELT professional for over 30 years, you've worked in more than 15 countries, yep. including the UK, Europe, Central America and Africa. Um, you've taught English at all levels and in many contexts, from one-to-one -one, um, teaching in a financial institution, mm -hmm. I'm just reading off here, mm -hmm. to rural schools with classes of 80 students. That's right, yeah. Okay. Uh, you've also got lots of management experience, including three years as Director of Oper Operations for a group of language schools in the UK and Ireland, and you've been responsible for academic, administrative, and HR functions in organisations. That's right, yeah. So lots of management experience, which is something that we're going to talk about okay. today. Um, so my first question, actually, is how did you get into management? Um, yeah, it's a, it's, uh, I think like many managers in an academic the academic world it wasn't necessarily a, um, a strategic decision um, I don't think that many teachers have this uh, plan of um, career development most schools in general tend to have quite a, a flat organizational structure so there's not uh, the, the constant I'm going to the next level to the next level to the next level that you might get in a business organization so this step towards management I think for many is a result of circumstances rather than, um, I suppose, career plan. And that was certainly the case with me. Um, I was a teacher trainer, so working internationally in developing world. And increasingly the jobs and roles I was taking were more team leading, organizational, um, until I actually started ending up being a project manager um, in a country called Djibouti on one particular uh, four-year project and that got me interested in the actual all the um, organizational roles and considerations you have to take that make the actual training and teaching work so if you like it's sort of like putting the uh, the actions within the context and supporting that context so it's very facilitative mm. in terms of project manager um, then uh, two things happened. I, I, I left the role of teaching because I was offered a job in uh, the Department for International Development, which is a British oh, ministry, yeah. DFID. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was offered a job, I went for a job and I was offered it uh, as the head of learning and development for that um, ministry, uh, which I did for about eight months um, <laughs> because uh, it, it, for me, it was I enjoyed the role but the organisation itself was the, it was the civil service uh, in Britain, which was um, fascinating on many levels because it was so different to uh, working uh, on project work overseas, but also very different to your average um, educational organisation. So I found it quite difficult to translate my knowledge and understandings and approaches into that quite structured, rigid, hierarchical way of working. Um, and I also missed the education atmosphere. So I returned, I, I, I left that, but that gave me a taste of quite strong leadership and management roles, which I particularly enjoyed. Um, and then about two years after that, I was offered a role of 
um, the director of operations for this uh, group of language schools in the right. UK. Yeah. And it it just it seemed to have that combination of education plus supporting uh, the organisation that I was looking for. And uh, and so that's how I got into management and I became that director for, right. for three years. Do you think, I mean, you've said that it is often unstructured, that, that the movement into management of teachers is unstructured. Mm. Do you think that that has benefits as well as drawbacks, or does it have any drawbacks? Or? No, I think it has both. I think that um, what, one of the advantages of, of it is that... The, the, if you, you, you're, you, I would say in my experience, the great majority of academic managers have been teachers. Mm. And the great advantage of that, of course, is that you've been through and you understand exactly what the situation is at the chalk face. So um, you have that innate understanding of the issues, perspectives of often the people you are managing. Mm-hmm. So in terms of that empathy, I think that it's, it's perfect. It's great. It's really good for that. Um, so it certainly has its advantages, but it has its drawbacks too. Um, on an individual level, often I think when you become an academic manager, it's within the organisation that you've been working as a teacher. So it's the next thing, you know, your, your, your circumstances dictate that you become the manager. Maybe you've become a senior teacher and there is then a gap or there is a need for that management role. And you are given that job or you go for that job because it's the next thing. It seems logical. But um, the drawback, of course, is that you've been a football player and then suddenly you're the manager of the footballers. And that can be very difficult to handle in terms of relationships and how that works. Also, it's a different role. Mm. And I think unlike teaching, which has huge amounts of um, support in terms of pre-service, in-service, developmental, professional, structured professional developmental goals and uh, almost like a syllabus, if you like, in, in some ways... Management, we often become academic managers and there's no training. You have to learn on the job mm-hmm. um, and you're feeling your way. And I think often the, that way is dictated to how you would manage a class or learning. And whilst there are certain skills and competences that, that are applicable, nevertheless, it's a different role and you do bring a different perspective or a different perspective would be helpful. So. Well, be good to know a bit more about what you think managers in ELT do need to know. I want to quickly ask mm. though, because you use that football metaphor. Yeah. I mean, should um, in education should should you be a player manager? Because there is this view that you know if you're going to be making decisions about teaching and learning, yeah. you still need to be at the chalk face at least some of the time. Um, I think that I don't think that that's a prerequisite. I think the, the problem with it, there's two things. Okay, number one, ideationally, yeah, it's great if you can still be teaching and managing because then you will continue to understand. But in terms of if you've spent 10, 15 years as a teacher, you become a manager, I don't think you forget what you're going to be like as a teacher overnight. Um, so I don't think that that's as important as the potential problem with that because I've been a teacher, teacher-manager. Um, and the problem there is that, of course... It's the urgency and the importance of the tasks you have to do. So as a teacher, you've got your set uh, timetable. You know what you're doing between this hour and this hour. So you know what it is exactly. And then as a manager, however, it's a totally different working pattern. What I find as a manager is that things crop up constantly. You're putting out fires. You've got to make decisions. You can very, very rarely judge exactly what it is you're going to be doing during the day. So if part of my day is taken up because I'm in the classroom, 
Um, there will be constantly things happening in that school, for example, that I can't address, I can't get mm. to. And people often, when you're needed in terms of emergency or urgency, it's hard to timetable that. Yeah. So what happens is people will go to someone else or they'll knock it on your door. And when I was doing this, I was having secretaries, I was having other teachers knocking on the door and saying, can I just have a word? But it's just too much, very quickly. And so you go from you know the uses of should um, in, in, in some sort of you know inversion for uh, conditionals, which is a wonderful place to be. Suddenly you're in the middle of a problem with the student's housing or something like that. And it's, it's I, I found when I had these other timetabled activities that took me away from my management activity, it just made me basically end up teaching, uh, sorry, sort of working for very long hours trying to catch up yeah. with where I wasn't with the teacher. And, okay. and I think that one of, one of the issues can be, I'm sure this was not the case with you, but it can be that you almost end up escaping into the class because you want a, a, you know, the quick fix of the, the teaching rather than the problems that you're facing as a manager. So you, you end up going into the classroom maybe too much. Well, that was very nice of you to say, Tony. I'm sure it wasn't the case of you. But uh, no, I'm absolutely on the contrary. When, when I was a director of operations, I mean, I had, I had, I had the schools. Um, so I had managers and I was line managing managers, etc. Whenever I was visiting a school, which I did constantly touring the schools, um, if ever a teacher was ill, I would immediately be jumping in and say, I'll cover, I'll cover, um, happily, because it is a joy stepping back into the classroom. But you do need to yeah. hold that back. So, yes, it can be an escape, which isn't a bad thing, but um, operationally, it certainly uh, takes its toll over time. But coming back to Jason's question. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned that when you move into management, you've got to sort of learn on the job yeah. a lot of the time. Sure. So what, what are the kinds of things that, that you think are important for managers to know about? Um, I think the, for myself, speaking for myself, and, and having spoken to a lot of managers on the course, um, I think one of the key areas, well, there's many, but one, one of the key areas is about perspective. I think as a teacher we have a very clear perspective of my role within the school, but it kind of stops because when I was a teacher it was, I understand about the learning processes and the importance of that interaction between teacher and student in the learning, um, sort of the learning atmosphere with that particular aim. But as a manager, getting a much clearer understanding of how everything fits in to support that. Um, was one of those things that I found getting this schematic overview of a language teaching organization in terms of budgeting, finance, resources, planning. Um, for us, it was also accommodation, sales, um, marketing, and how these all fit together. That, and, 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 and these are in many ways, in some situations, they're supportive, they're aligned. In other ways, they can be intention. You know, they, they, can be, they can be sort of like in competition with each other. So the different goals of the different units, if you like, or functions of an organization or systems of organization, they all have to be in some way considered and brought together at different stages. And that for me is the biggest difference about being a manager. It's having this schematic overview of the whole organization, understanding how the different systems work with each other and making trial, trying to make decisions which um, benefit the priority system or goal at any one time. I'm going to give you an example of that. Um, if you've got 
academic criteria. Now, academic criteria would say smaller classes, um, groups of students at a similar level. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if you worked in our sales department, mm -hmm. then your criteria of success would be as many students as possible. And so, and financially, my financial director would be saying, you have to get as fewer teachers as possible for the maximum number of students. So do we open a new class or do we have, do we have 12 in this class? Or do we open up two classes, one with eight and one with four, because the levels are different. So each of these different parts of the system has criteria of success. Mm. And in these, those examples, they are in tension with each other. Because, of course, academic criteria would be better with a class of 10 and 6 or 8 and 8. Whereas the financial director would walk into my school and say, what are you doing? Mm. The ratios are not economic um, and the sales will just be piling loads of students in, in as possible. They're all right at different times and so my role and often a manager's role is how do I negotiate these different aims, purposes and required outcomes mm -hmm. not only logistically but also dealing with Joe Bloggs in front of me who's saying, I can't do this, my students are all over the place. Mm. Or then you've got the financial director saying, this is ridiculous, we can't have this. Presumably, once you've made a decision, you know, you're, you're kind of doing this balancing, yeah, negotiation, sure. you're talking about. You've, you've then made a decision, you've then got to get everybody on board. So what kinds of, what kinds of skills or qualities are involved? In this is, I think, where, this, where the, the head of the interview was talking about transferable skills. One thing I do find where what's helpful is the ability, the teachers have this ability of working with groups of people and also with individuals, listening. They're usually pretty good listeners. Yeah. Um, and so that ability to communicate, that essential communication is absolutely key. Um, so yeah, communication skills are essential. The ability to listen, the ability to put over um, an opinion, etc. Um, but there is another set of skills which I think are less, certainly for myself and um, with many people that I speak to in making this transition or who have made this transition, is this area of, um, in teaching it's a, it's, it's a lot about facilitation, it's a lot about support, but the other area which is if you like challenge, conflict, is not something that is so strongly developed in a teacher mm. because the opportunities for conflict within a classroom are minimal, I would suggest, because most people are more or less in a trajectory towards a similar outcome of learning. Sure, you have behavioural control, you have classroom management issues, but that's less. That's more about controlling a, a situation within a quite a formal, agreed sort of... Um, framework. Yeah. Whereas if you're dealing with people who are unhappy in their jobs, or if you're dealing with, for example, change that they do not believe is in their interests, well, the problem there is that their motivations are far more closely linked into their understandings and their ideas of who they are, their identity as a teacher, as a salesperson, etc. So there, I think the, uh, there are often additional skills that we need to learn around um, conflict management around empathy of understanding different motivations um, and yeah sometimes and this is even further down the line in terms of learning for me is that 
people are not going to be happy and you have to just accept that but what you have to do is understand that and create an environment where people accept that this particular decision may have outcomes with which they disagree or with which they, they are not in alignment um, but part of the manager's role I think is to have to negotiate and deal with that um, which I think is also very difficult for a lot of teachers and I'm sure when I say this a lot of teachers are going to be out there listening and saying oh no no I'm fine with that but I do think that teachers like to be liked right. you know I, I, I like to be liked as a teacher um, and I'm not sure I think that that aspect of a manager is particular in my experience myself but also with other teachers and who become managers is a particularly tricky aspect of management is that you have to really take on this idea of I'm complete this is a role I have and in order to do this role and complete this role I'm not going to be able to make everybody happy and in fact People in some way yes in some ways what I will do will actually make it worse for some people and I will be seen as the originator and cause of their unhappiness. So, what, so because these, these people often, as you've said, they come from teaching, they've mm. seen managers, seen education, yeah. they've seen, so what would you say are the, the misconceptions that they have about management? It seems that one of the things that you're, that you're suggesting is they don't understand maybe how much of a operational role you have to have because they don't see the big picture yeah. and they don't understand how often you will be in a position where you might need to be yeah. except that you're just going to be not liked I think that's that's often the case um, is that I, I don't know I think whether it's teachers or whether it's just general humanity I think we see things from our own perspective mm. and it's it's difficult to see things from another perspective um, and so I think one of the mis well one of the misconceptions let's say I'm going to speak as an I here mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to sure. stay very safe um, when I was a teacher, um, with a lot of the managers I had, especially when I was a young, thrusting um, sort of ELT teacher and my delta and things, um, I, I felt that there were teachers. Mm -hmm. And if, if only teachers could just get on and get on with this teaching thing, right. and, um, then the world would be a fantastic place and everybody would be able to use present perfect. And it would be great. Um, but then, and, and managers I felt were stifling me, managers didn't understand, and, and that, was, that was ridiculous because you know, a lot of the managers I had had been teachers, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So I think that it's, it's, it's around priorities. Now, the point is, and this is what I learned, um, is that just because you have different ways of going about something or different differences of opinion, our actual values might be the same. So, for example, I as, I, as a teacher, I value education and I want the classes to be as good as possible. Mm. Well, a, a manager might want exactly the same thing. They want the classes to be as good as possible. They want to be fantastic. However, how that is achieved, we might see in different ways because of our different roles and what we have to achieve. can't be fantastic if there's no money coming in. For example, we've got this long-term thing. Um, the, the classes have to be fantastic, but they're only going to be fantastic if the students are happy in their accommodation. Mm. Um, they're only going to be fantastic if... Um, yes, I'm sorry, we do have 17 of this one nationality coming in, and you're going to have to take eight of them, and that's an imbalance. But if we don't get this agent happy, we're not going to get the students in the summer, mm. which is going to make your job fantastic. Um, and that, I think, is one of the key 
understandings I got um, as when I became a manager is that values can be the same, mm -hmm. but they're expressed in different ways. And so one of the things that I, I suppose I took from that and I learned is to be actually clear in what my values were mm -hmm. with when I was managing, is to be clear and also transparent on why these are the decisions we're taking. Mm -hmm. Now that was easy for me because it was I was more or less the person responsible for everything. As a middle manager, you may be in a situation where you simply cannot be transparent about some of the information you have because operationally you can't tell people. Um, you, you can't always be transparent. Mm. Um, even if you want to, you can't because of company policy, because of um, need to know basis, etc., etc. So I think it's, I think middle management is it's, it's the most difficult job in the world. It's really, really horrible. Okay. Do you think, just sort of extending this discussion about what, what managers do, mm. do you think it's an important aspect of being a manager to, to sort of support and foster teachers' professional development? Is that a key part of the role? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, if... If we and this, and to be honest with you, this is coming back to one of those initial questions about what what do in academic management, what do teachers bring to management? Is this idea or this focus on the development of staff? Um, and so, there's a number of different angles you can come from as, as an individual, the individual motivation, um, and for a lot of teachers, I think uh, because we're in education, we're in learning. Learning is what we do. So if you're in an environment which supports my own professional development, then I'm more likely to be motivated to um, become a fully committed member of that organisation or that community. So I think on an individual level, it's very important. Um, but in addition, I think if we turn, look in terms of quality assurance, how do we assure, how do we ensure that we have quality in our organisation? Um, I think that if you, if you have an organisation that values its, um, its, its members, its employees, if you like, then what you're doing is you're beginning to look at them as clients. And so we, we've got a school and the client, customer, student, however you want to call it, um, we're committed to supporting them in their learning. We are supplying that to them, if you like, to use that sort of business manufacturing parlance. If I also look at my staff, um, as my client, so therefore I am supplying something to them and I, I, I need to give them service so that they are content and mm. have delight, um, as George Pickering would put it, you know, they have delight in what they're doing, then that relationship is going to be much stronger. Mm. And similarly, there are moments when I am their client and they are supplying me with their uh, skills, etc., etc. And so if we can build up this relationship of, if you like, providing, meeting expectations, surpassing expectations um, in our relationships internally within the organisation, then naturally, of course, we're going to do it with our clientele, with our students, etc. And this is, this is actually, just, this is really total quality management, TQM, which is, mm. which is really, I think, a very strong model. But all of that means support and development for staff as they wish to. But I would stretch it out. And it's not just about teachers. I think a lot of professional development within an organization is focused on the academic side. However, the strongest organizations, I think, are those that see a commitment to professional development of all members of staff, whether they are staff 
support staff, admin, sales, whatever it is, I think that assumption that professional development needs to be academic staff, I think it, the strongest organisations have seen have seen it Can across the board. How, in, in terms of professional development, yeah. how do you manage it so that the staff, I mean, it's interesting what you're saying, that, it, that everyone should be involved in mm. this. How, how do you give ownership? It's the classic... I mean, you can. It's a classic issue. It's a classic problem because you've got organisational goals, you know. So, for example, I know we're going to get IW interactive whiteboards in every room. So we clearly have an organisational development aim that everybody will be able to use these. Um, we may be doing a new examination, and so everybody needs to be trained up on that. So we have our organisational development goals, but then there is also the individual development goal. Um, and they both need to be satisfied. Mm. The problem, of course, with the former is that they might, that might not be the development goal of the teacher, that particular teacher. I don't want to use IWB, it's not important to me. Um, and we also may have, from the teacher's development goal, might not be particularly useful for my organisation. Um, so then it's about negotiation. And I think that if you have a strong system of um, performance management, Often, you know, in its most strong manifest would be in the, the appraisal system, for example. Then, if you are very clear that your staff know exactly what it is that you're looking for, and you know exactly what it is that they're looking for, mm -hmm. then there is an element of uh, negotiation and satisfaction of them both. So, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, etc. The skilled manager will be able to align them both. Um, it sounds like what you're talking about is kind of a 360 degree appraisal system that, that you're looking at them but are you asking them to look at you as well? No, absolutely. I mean, I think that traditionally performance management and appraisal has always been around I am appraising you, the staff member. Mm. But I, I mean, if you look at the, the what an appraisal system could be about, I mean, sure, it's about assessment. You need to assess. You need to say, are you meeting the, mm. the minimum standards for our organisation? I mean, teaching is a profession. Mm. You, If it's a profession, there are minimum standards. Otherwise, anyone could do it. And so, yeah, you are the gatekeeper, so you have to make sure that. So it's certainly about assessment. It's about training, and training is saying, this is a need I have identified that you have, or we have together, and you need to work towards that to meet this standard. And that would be, for example, the Interact Interactive Whiteboard. We have this need, you need to get there. Um, and then we have development. You know, it's also about the development, and that would be how the teacher sees where they can grow, where they can develop. And then finally, and this is for me the key, is, is well-being. What is the well-being of that person that is in the appraisal, the appraisee, the staff mm. member? Because it's, yeah, it's simple, isn't it? Simple equation. If someone is, feels that they are valued, mm. if they feel that the organisation is interested in them, if they are comfortable and happy, then you're, to be very blunt, you will get better performance. And so how do you make sure someone's okay with where they're working? You ask them. And so part of a good appraisal will be, or maybe the initial focus or a large part of it is, what is happening in the organization that is supportive of you? Mm. And what's happening in the organization that is hindering your mm. enjoyment or satisfaction or comfort within? And if we can sort that out, then you're going to start from a situation of partnership um, 
And I don't, I don't think that's too idealistic. I think can, I've seen that work. Can I take this slightly sideways? Then? Yeah. In terms of you're talking about appraisal and people being happy, in your classes, in the courses that you run, both as a teacher trainer and as a trainer working with managers, mm. what, what do you do that you feel helps them to develop most? Are there, are there methods that you use? Are there approaches that you use that, that creates that positive feedback? Yeah, I, I think, well, first of all, you've got to, I guess there are two ways of looking at it, mm-hmm. organizationally and individually. Sure. All right, so if we look at organizationally, um, in terms of development, and if we focus, well, we can focus on academic staff, but then I'll, I'll, I'll take that out to non-academic staff as well. Um, we focused in our schools, I think one of the focuses was on not external training, was not on um, systematic training towards, so not necessarily our organizational needs. But what we tried to do was create an atmosphere through um, activities, optional activities, but activities which were uh, which were clear um, and transparent and laid out and available. Activities which our staff members, our teachers, could use together in peer collaboration mm-hmm. which had defined outcomes for learning. Now they defined what those outcomes were but they could evidence them. So it could be a variety of things, it could be peer observations, it could be um, we had reflective conversations or talks and they were structured and they chose to do them and they would be paid for these. Um, in other words what we tried to create was a an environment in which sharing collaboration and therefore learning was not only possible but actually explicitly valued and we found this was actually quite useful because we started from where they were at so what we did is we had a look at what's going on what are people doing through our appraisal system we we found out that what are you doing that supports each other Um, and then because they were doing that naturally and so we said okay what we want to do is to make this systematized in a way that uh, we then recognize it and it's and the fruits of these activities that you're just doing yourselves can actually be recognized and com- uh, compensated for so are these Martin, sorry to mm. jump in, are these the sort of activities when you're delivering you know uh, a management course here at nile you, you you're um, also you, you t- you're the module leader for the mm. management in language education um, part of the ma mm. Are these the sort of activities that, that people would do on your face-to-face courses? Yeah, we, what we have, we have a whole unit, a whole, a whole time where we look at, well, we have two areas. We have performance management, where we look at appraisals, um, the features of appraisals and how we might go about it. And we look at these four different um, purposes of appraisal. Um, and we look at the conversations you would have within an appraisal system. Um, and we look at documentation, different types of documentation you might use in appraisal. And, but it's not just about the documentation and the systems, it's also then the soft skills that you would have when carrying out an appraisal. And then from there we go into professional development and how as a manager, organisationally, we can support professional development. But can I ask you just in terms of, because I think one, one of the points that Jason's getting at, I mean I've seen teachers and managers come out of your classes and they're really positive and they're really enthusiastic about what you've done. Mm. And, that, and as a person who's, who's looking at that, as a trainer myself, as a, as a teacher myself, as a manager myself, I'm, I'm interested in what are you doing in those classes 
that is getting them so engaged, so developed, so enthusiastic. I mean, one of the things that I saw on the course you were doing last week was was a huge board just of lots of posters and things that they created. Right. And, and, and yeah. Just to add to that, are, are, are these activities that you would only do with managers and you wouldn't do in other teach training contexts? Ah, well, it's, you know, I mean, basically... So two questions. Well, it's two questions, actually. Yeah. You should always avoid an interview. <laughs> No, no, that's that's perfect. Yeah, I'm a manager. I'm I'm used to conflicting uh, sort of uh, interests. So let me negotiate those. <laughs> no, okay. So um, the, the it's interesting, isn't it? Because a manager courses. You know, this is a course in management. Therefore, we have to sit around like a boardroom. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, basically, I look at training. I mean, my background's in training. What I do, I'm a teacher trainer. Um, so when I go into and we're looking at management then the activities we use are still... I mean, you, if you stood and you looked at the outside and you didn't read the words, it could be training in any sort of skill or, uh, or competence because we have um, yeah, activities which you, anyone would recognise in training. So, you know, there's people where they're running around, they're moving, there's role plays. Um, we have case studies. We have um, opinion activities where we move around and we change things. We have planning activities which we... Div- you know, we fill a wall through a vide full of ideas. Um, and so the, I don't see, when I do the management course, um, and I also do the trainer development course, there's no difference in any of the approaches I take in the learning approaches. It's the, right. it's the, same, it's the same thing. I mean, training, teaching is about knowledge, skills, attitudes, and it's whole person. Same with management. Um, our course itself, what makes it easier, I suppose, in this terms, is that we, our course would focus more on the softer skills of management. It focuses more on, um, we have a lot of tools on the course, but our focus isn't how do I, what, 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 how do I operate this tool? Um, it's okay, what are the emotional, um, what are the um, interaction patterns, what are the relationships that I need to foster in order to make this tool work? What is, what's it trying to do? Is this the tool the best way of using um, it? That idea of relationships, it's I huge. think that seems like a key um, you know, theme. It is in our course because I mean, we, we have a very wide uh, group of people that can come onto our management courses. So you could be a teacher who is looking to become a manager. You could be a, an existing manager or a new manager, or you might be a manager that's been around for a long time managing. And so we try to cover them all. And now our focus is on um, what are the skills of management in terms of people. Yeah. Um, so we look at managing people in order to achieve what you need to achieve. But, that, but that's in order to achieve the processes and the priorities Completely and the so. projects. So it's not just... Let's, let's all be touchy-feely. Oh, goodness, like no. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, in some ways you could be cynical. It's like, how do we manage people to achieve our intended outcomes? Yes. Which is, yes. Um, I always hesitate when I say that, but that's kind of what we're looking at. So what are the key, I mean, we look at organisational structures. Mm. We look at organisational cultures. We look at how the objectives that might be achieved organisationally and individually, and how can we support groups of people and individuals to achieve those and that's that that's the system that's what we try and do but um the biggest change is in i think how people think mm-hmm. and that's the key of the course okay so a final question Mark, mm-hmm. because you also supervise dissertations on, I do. on the masters 
um, course that we that we have here at Nile. Mm. What what research would you be interested in seeing in terms of management in English language teaching? What what areas of research would interest you personally? Yeah, um, the area of management. What I think. I think what would be I, I like the idea of systems personally I like chaos theory um, and I love this idea that every system that exists exists within an individual and these systems also exists when two people get together and exist in a whole organization and in subunits of it's the same systems you've got systems of decision making management doing um, sensing um, testing all these types of things um, and that's essentially chaos, because the slightest change in one of these systems, fluctuations in the model, have repercussions everywhere, and in ways that you cannot predict. So I think that the essentially, um, my area that I would love to see some more research done, or I'd be love to read about or even do myself, would be um, more experiential research of how are these different systems Manifest. How are they shown? What What is it that we can? How can we evidence these systems of decision making, control of um, act, activity of doing? Mm-hmm. What do they look like in different systems uh, and so in different cultures? Because one organisation will have a very different culture, for example, to another one. I've mentioned the civil service. Well, what those different systems looked like were very different to what a, a school would look like and so some sort of I don't know if it's even possible my the chaos theory within me says it's simply not possible but I'd like to give it a bash um, is some sort of um, ability to what are the key features that we would look for that would give you insights into how these systems are operating within different cultures and I'm not saying that you would come up with some sort of taxonomy but come up with some sort of framework of um, analysis. What are the indicators? What what might be? The, I mean, I'm going to start hedging all over the place because yeah. I like the chaos. What might be indicators which would suggest clarity on how this system is operating? Mm. Um, that I think would be really really useful, rather than what we have at the moment, which is very useful, but we have, if you like, categorizations of mm. culture. Mm. It is, five, here are five types of culture, which one is it? Mm. Um, I think that's fine, but I think more data-driven stuff would be, would be mm. fabulous. But even as I say it, I'm always thinking any research would be useful and relevant to that action research, would be mm. useful to that organization, but transferring it over would be difficult. But then that's fine, because I think, once again, more, if you had some sort of framework of analysis, that would be very useful. Maybe it exists out there. I've not come across it. If anybody's listening and has that, my name's Martin Clark. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much. We'll we'll put your contact details. Thank you very much indeed. That's great. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Tim. Okay, so that was... uh, very interesting chat with Martin Clark about management in language education. Covered lots of things. Um, what's the main takeaway for you then, Tony? I, there was a lot. I've, I've, I've worked uh, a lot with Martin. He's, he's, a, he's a great trainer and a, and a you know, great person to work with. He, 
he emphasized one of the things that for me as a manager and a person in management has come up a lot, which is conflict, dealing with conflict, understanding uh, as a manager coming up from teaching that conflict is something that you're going to have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, not because uh, you're, you're an unlikable person, but because some of the decisions that you have to make are not going to make people happy. Mm. And that, that is in contrast to what many people are trying to do within teaching, which is to make sure that there is as little conflict as possible in the class and that there's as little conflict as possible with the students and that we are getting along in order to go along. Okay. So as a manager, you have to live with the idea that people aren't going to like you. Is that what you're saying to me? Uh, well, that, 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 that sometimes yes. That, that sometimes you're, get, you're going to be making um, decisions that are that people maybe don't understand initially and yes as martin said you have to be clear and you have to be transparent about the decisions you're making yeah but those decisions may be initially unpalatable for people and it might take some time and during that time you've you've got to be not content but you've got to be um it's got to be okay for you to for you to know that other people are not liking what you've done or not. Yeah, and he spoke about, you know, that often that tension arises because, you know, as a manager, you need to be aware of the, the bigger picture. Mm. Um, and individual teachers are going to have, of course, different priorities. And sometimes those priorities, um, or let's say there might not be an awareness of that bigger picture that the manager has to have. Yeah, or, or that they they feel, well, I got into education to do this. I got into education to work with the students on developing them personally or with the students to help them to develop their language. That's what we're here for. And I can't do that if I've got two different levels in the class. And the point that Martin made was it's having those two different levels in the class that allows you to have the money, that allows you to have the social program or the facilities or the, you know, the, the, the technology that then enhances the learning experience of the students. Yeah. And it's not just what happens inside the class, it's what happens outside the class, before the class, before them arriving, all these things fit together. So... What did you make then? Uh, I, I mean, towards the, at the end there, Martin was talking about research. He was talking about um, you know the idea of different systems and and trying to find through research more get get more evidence about the the impact of different systems or more of an understanding for how different approaches, I guess, to to um, to management actually work in practice. He talked talked about a taxonomy of systems, and, and earlier on, as well in his in his in the conversation, he was talking about the the need for for you as a manager to have this sort of schematic overview of, of an organisation. I mean, is this something that, as a manager yourself, Tony, that, that you've have you reflected on this that the 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 way that the organisation works and and to what extent? Do you just fit in with that or do you try and change it? I, 
as I mean, I've been in management now for what, 20, 26, 27 years. Um, and as you, as you're in it longer, I think, as you get older, I think what you realize is that it cannot be down to your efforts, the, the success of what you're doing. It, it's just not sustainable. You have to have systems in place to support you, to support the efforts that you're making on behalf of others. And the, the real tension is making sure that you're not too restricted by those systems or that those systems don't become something that determines what you do, but those systems are in, are in service of what you do. Um, and I think that's, that's a real tension because you, you see how effective the systems can be in supporting you and supporting others. And, and sometimes you then willfully or, or, or subconsciously ignore how they might be restricting things, how they might be, be uh, limiting what people are doing. So there is, there is a real tension, and I think he's right that it is a real area that needs to be explored as to what systems are working for you, what are the alternatives, how is it working, how far is it working, how how limiting is it? What 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 is the effect? So yeah, hmm. it's important. In terms of a taxonomy, is there a broad distinction to be made? Would you agree between you know systems that are more hierarchical and then systems that are kind of flatter, more horizontal in the way that they work? I or is that too simplistic? I I don't know. I mean, often when I'm talking to teachers and to managers about systems, what I'm what I'm saying is. To them is that there's a there's a real tension between the simplicity of a, a system and the complexity of it or, or of a model and that simple systems can be very powerful because they're easily understood and easily used whereas the more complex it gets the more uh, the more effective it can be but the more difficult it can be to understand to implement to to make use of so it's it's flawed in certain ways because it doesn't do certain things but it's usable and I, maybe for me it's more uh, a, a taxonomy of come from complexity to simplicity but, but I think you know that, that might be going uh, I'm thinking in visual terms of going from uh, vertical to horizontal you know, mm. hierarchical could be the vertical and simplicity complexity could be the horizontal Anyway, interesting. Um, one of the things that, that that I found very useful was his his emphasis on professional development of all staff. Mm. That within an organisation, you need to make sure that the professional development is not just limited to the academic staff, because sometimes that's the easiest thing to do. Um, and also his emphasis on ensuring that whatever system you use for appraisal or for professional development, you make it such that everybody can feel valued and everybody can feel heard and that this is how you ensure that you are getting the most from staff. Maybe it sounds too managerial, but that you are making sure that everybody can make the, as much of a contribution as possible. So an appraisal system that allows people to feed into the running of the organization to say well this is not working this is not supporting me as well as it could do can we change this how can we align everything so that everybody's development goals are, are, are pushing in the same direction 
So all staff members. I I okay. really believe all staff members. I mean, when when I've what about the cleaners? Yes, absolutely. When, do we when, do that at Nile? Do uh, we have professional development for for everyone? Pro- well, I, I I would I would hope that, that that's a direction we're 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 moving in. Certainly, when in the past when I've done uh, recruitment, I've tried to get uh, feedback from as many people as possible. So I've I've gone to the extent of saying to the reception staff, "How was this guy when he came in, or or this this lady when when they came in? Were they respectful? Did they did they talk to you in a way that made you feel, uh, you know, that they were wanting to work with you, yeah. or they just? You know, but what about the professional development for true, the reception? True, 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 true. Well, you know, maybe maybe we start with making sure that they they feel valued, and then from that feeling of value, then identify areas that people want to to work on or to within the organisation or or to to change. In what we're doing, and yeah, maybe I'm just avoiding the question. <laughs> well, it's it's political to some extent asking that question. The other thing that I liked about what um, Martin was talking about was that he, he was very insistent on the idea that training managers is actually no different to training teachers in his in terms of his approach. Yes, um, he did say perhaps um, you know he was talking about the use of case studies as being a particular. Um, training strategy that he uses when he works with mm. with uh, with managers, but broadly he was saying, look, there's no difference. And one of the things actually um, in the summer that's gone that we've talked about here at NAL is how inspiring it was seeing Martin at work, particularly his use of um, the posters. Yes. Um, and he w- the way that the, the walls in the training room were being used as a kind of record of of the. The thinking that is yes. going on, and and just just to emphasize that the way you where you you talk about the thinking that was going on, the point that he made was it's about changing how people think, not necessarily what they think, but how they are thinking through these processes and how are they are thinking on a day to day basis, you know, and, and I think that well, I know from talking to him that part of the reason for using the room in that way was so that they could recycle, revisit, come back, build throughout the course rather than just on Monday we did this, on Tuesday we did this and, and, and it doesn't then feed into what you're doing next. So how does that translate into managerial practice? This no, notion of revisiting, recycling, a kind of construction process? Well, I, I think it... it feeds into management in, in my in my experience and my understanding of it in terms of that you're not just moving forwards you're circling cycling back bringing people along making sure they're traveling with you making sure that they're you're moving in the same direction not just a forward march for the sake of progress or for the sake of development. That's, that's interesting because in my experience, not 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 here at Nile, but in other organisations, one of the you know favourite sort of phrases or you know a phrase that you hear managers use a lot is, okay, moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we need to circle back or uh, recycle and revisit. Thanks very much, Jason. <laughs>